welcome to episode 185 of Together BHA. Uh, speaking of five, not bad, <laughs> not a bad performance today, fellas. Um, we've got Adam and Craig here, uh, as always, uh, joined by myself, uh, unsurprisingly. And we also have Tommy on the show, uh, another fan guest coming on. Uh, Tommy, I know you, uh, you were on Once Upon a Time a while back uh, for an Everton game, um, I believe you said. <laughs> I did not. I did not go back and listen to it to remember how that went down. Uh, so, so if it was poor, uh, let's just put a put a put a line under it uh, and crack on. But how how is everybody going today? How is everybody feeling? I assume quite good after that. Yeah, it's good, Josh. I'll. Uh, I will say, go, nobody should go back and listen to that podcast from that Everton match. Um, in 50 seconds into today, I was thinking Josh is never going to invite me back. So um, all, all is all is all is glorious uh, since that moment, though. So not not bad today, was it? Yeah, I, I think we 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 uh, you know we exercised any demons that uh, had been in the system on Tuesday, well and truly, uh, and we're. Actually, after six games in the Premier League, still fourth, which is just obscene. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say. If, like, if we if we beat Bournemouth, you start to you start to get incredibly excited, don't you? And then we lose to Palace, but uh, cloud nine right now. Craig, what about you, mate? Very good, I think. Yeah, last week I was saying this could be a bit of a banana pill for us, and um, we we tend to. Uh, play to the strength of the other team. We tend to struggle against teams that aren't doing so well. So, uh, yeah, a, a pleasant surprise today. Uh, very, very happy. Felt like a trap game, didn't it? Uh, had all the makings of one. Um, there was one change to the side that rolled out against Fulham. So not many changes, which is quite a surprise, actually. And that was Welbeck back in uh, and Estepinion out. Um, so in terms of lineup. Everything was pretty much the same, uh, but we did see Trossard revert back to left wing back, which is something we touched on at Fulham. Uh, Don't forget Mwepu, Josh. And Mwepu in. Uh, Mwepu was in and at that kind of, well, that number eight, 10 role that he was, he was what we were hoping to see in the first place. Yeah. Um, and he played really well. We'll get on that, obviously. But uh, how are we feeling about that lineup? Not many changes from midweek. Um, after such a really poor performance, it's got to be said just about as bad as day and at the office as it can get from just about everyone on the field. Uh, how are we feeling about that? No, no wholesale changes. Very calm, very chill. Pretty much what you probably expect. But were we were we happy with that? Were we hoping for more? I was happy with that. I think we we've spoken about Trossard in that left wing back role and how good he started the season in that role as well uh, until Estepinion came in. Um, so, yeah, it was strange to see Estepinion dropped so quickly. Um, I guess that's more of a tactical decision more than anything. He was he was left off the match graphic, so I didn't think he was in the squad at all, which was strange. Um, but, yeah, I think it was sort of stick with what you know and putting Trossard back in that, that sort of wing-back role um, obviously worked. We'll get onto that, but, yeah, fairly comfortable with with the approach that's exactly when we did the one we talked about the last time around right which is uh, there's a few of those mistakes in sd opinions first couple of games is he fully up to speed with with playing with the, the in the system with the players maybe not let's let's go back to what we know and put trust in his 
left wing back position, which has suddenly now seemingly become again, based on what we're seeing, I don't know. It feels like his best position for me, which I didn't think I'd ever say uh, a forward playing in left wing back is just working amazingly well outside of that. Yeah. I, the, the only thing for me, the only slightly slight bit of, you know, downside when looking at the team sheet is does, does Lamptey ever start for this club anymore? Like when's, is that going to happen again? And we, we didn't see him until really late. I, I guess, I guess we just prefer the ability to, for, for March's slightly more attacking positional play than what, than what Lamptey can do. I guess it's just Potter's preference, but outside of that, it's looking good. And I like, I like Wepu. I like how direct he is. Yeah. I was thinking of when I saw the, the lineup card, I was thinking of Josh's comment last week about Mwepu um, having that first rough start when he comes back in and uh, that taking that ball off Madison and, and the goal that he produced was uh, vindication, but it's also great to just see there's a, a lot of confidence with, with Danny Welbeck up there. I didn't assume that goals were going to be coming from him, but just having him up top and making those runs was, was you know, confidence producing right off the bat. Yeah, once once again, the amount of space that was available to us because Danny Welbeck was on the pitch was apparent from the word go. Uh, but speaking of the word go, uh, 53 seconds, my wife was very keen to point out. I said one minute. She was like, no, no, it was 53 seconds, Josh. So thanks for that. Uh, so 53 seconds in, um, we are one nil down. Uh, two things to touch on really there. Um Solly March, uh, not the greatest uh, in kind of holding up play and showing any kind of defensive strength there. He was bundled off the ball uh, quite quite handily. Um, and then the second one was Adam Webster being dragged in uh, massively to the ball as it was put through for, for the tap-in. Um, if he had not come forward there, that was an easy defensive clearance. Uh, but obviously that wasn't to be. Uh, and 53 seconds in, we are 1-0 down. Uh, against the team bottom of the league uh, with one point from a possible 15. Uh, we've seen this many a time at the Albion uh, where we starting to get uh, Brighton over Albion PTSD fellas or what, what? What were we thinking there when just about everything that could go wrong after Fulham, no less, with everything that had happened? Uh, how, how were we feeling there? I, I've got to admit, I was like, oh boy, here we go again. This is This is something we've seen for 20 years. The Albion special is upon us. Yeah, f- fully ready for the for the meltdown. Fully ready, uh, and it felt it felt horrible because you had all this like, okay, let's let's break out of that game earlier in the week. We're at home. We're against a team that is a walking disaster. Walking being the key word there because they don't do a lot of running, uh, and then we just go straight in and just do it's just the unthinkable. Which you mentioned this when we were talking earlier that they. The team seem to have a bit of a problem getting started. And we've been talking about this for so, so long at this point. I don't even remember, which is just quite slow out of the blocks. And 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 I don't know whether it's nerves, whether it, what it is, but for a team that's so controlled for about 89 or 80 other minutes at most, we, we, we seem to fall apart early, early on. And I, I don't quite know what that is. Um, we will, by the way, just for people listening, that are coming into this on a high. We are going to talk about the good bits. We just have to do it a bit chronologically because it didn't get really, really good until the second half where it, when it did get incredibly good. But the start, horrendous. I mean, it, it didn't really uh, bode much better going in uh, the halftime whistle either. So it's a bit of a weird one. Weird half all in all. 
very strange. I mean, it, it did make me laugh, like just 53 seconds in. It's the most, this is the most Albion thing that could possibly happen. And currently sitting in fourth and just two individual mistakes just leads to one nil down and you're like, brilliant. This is, <laughs> this is so typical. Um, but, you know, they, after that, and the, obviously there were some other mistakes. I think Webster was partially at fault for the second goal for, of theirs too, with a, a what might want to call a hospital pass but it was very bad um but there's just those those mistakes that were creeping in um i think that first half where too many individual mistakes despite the rallying and getting two back like it was fairly quick and fairly controlled it was all one way but just those mistakes just undone that first half and and that work between minute two and and minute 40 and so yeah very choppy first half, and I'm glad we, we actually picked up the pace in the second. For me, I think you could see, I mean, I think the overall, uh, like you said, Adam, we'll, we'll cover it later, all the good bits, but the the amount of character that the club You've gone. Uh, We've lost you. You've gone lost silent you, for me. You've gone, you're, you're... you've gone silent for everybody. Yep. Is we've got a we've got a technical audio thing. We do. We do. How about now? Um, yeah, there works. we go. We're back. <laughs> uh, I I made some amazing points. So <laughs> yeah. So I'll just I'll, I'll end my <laughs> podcast now. But what I was saying was that the the character that the I just think that, you know, if I were to pause, usually some of the guests that, that come on talk about their bio, about how they became, you know, a Brighton fan. And I was thinking about a couple episodes ago, there was a guy that had like put together a proper spreadsheet on like. On Dagan's on how, infamous spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Infamous spreadsheet and how my story is the complete inverse of that. But in, Another column for her, him to add, if he didn't have this, was just like the underlying character of not only the players, but the club as a whole. And I felt like throughout the match, I mean, I think Josh even had a few of your tweets talking about like, if it wasn't for bad luck, you know, like it was just so constant and we'll, we'll get into it. But for me, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, Solly is not playing with a lot of confidence, especially in front of goal. And then to turn the ball over 50 seconds in and give up the goal, but to have him be kind of the catalyst to, 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 to restart that just speaks to like his and the character of the squad and the trust they have for each other. And so um, anyway, it just, it's, I think from that point on, it was, you could almost see them kind of uh, wake up and, and, and they knew that, that, that it was going to be a long day, but um, but they were going to make it happen. But. I want to make a quick statement for the Together BHA PR team and say that uh, we we are we are absolutely happy and positive with Solly Martin's performances. There are good and bad aspects to them, and uh, yeah. oh, it's funny, right? Because I think today you saw you saw you saw absolute Solly his essence, it's sort of messy on the ball for a lot of the time. As soon as he sees the goal. He turns into, uh, I'm trying to think of a flop striker, any Chelsea number nine. <laughs> it's remarkable because he looks so Neil amazing. <laughs> yeah, Mope in his Everton debut, that's what he looks like. It's so weird. I'm sure we'll dig into more, but um, I, 
The other piece, though, outside of Sol is that just overall is one of those great games there after the second half where suddenly you look around and you go, I could think of maybe five, six plus players that could be man in the match today, all for various different reasons. And those are always a good games, especially after that first 50 seconds in. If you told me that would be what would be coming out of the game, I'd have said, uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Uh, and within 10 minutes, the response, as you said, Tommy, was was pretty quick. Uh, we came out as soon as we conceded that goal and didn't let it didn't let it bother us. Um, and we we started carving them apart with regularity. Um, and more positive and optimistic fans of teams that aren't so prone to making mistakes like this may well have saw this kind of result on the cards. But uh, I don't think anybody <laughs> saw us putting five past anyone, given it's our first time ever. Um, but yeah, the the response was rapid, wasn't it? Um, Solly March. A good little uh, header across goal that ended up being an own goal from Luke Thomas. Um, But he's got to get into those positions to have those things happen. Um, And like you said, it was kind of Solly in in and of himself. That's that's all he that's all of him combined into one. He he offers so much, but can cost us so much as well at the same time, both ends of the pitch, really. Um, But the goal itself, superb response, uh, definitely own goal no doubt about that it looked like Solly was heading it back across uh or was was the hope but Luke Thomas was kind enough to pop it into his own net uh and what five and a half minutes later uh we we had a second goal um and that one uh well we Adam you touched on it uh Enoch Mwepu and his directness um I'll let you summarize that entirely but let me just say that was one of the best first touches I've seen from a midfielder to just breeze past a man before the rest of that play that I've seen in a long time. That was like on my notes today. I was like, we've got to talk about the fact that when he brought that ball down in midfield, the one touch he made to just breeze past whoever that was in midfield was unbelievable. Like that was top, top class. And it ended up shaping the whole move, didn't it? So if, if I, he intercepted the ball, first of all. Um, Madison, maybe? Horrible day yeah. for him. I mean, goodness gracious. What a guy on the cusp of getting into the England team, he looks f- terrible. Um, yeah, he intercepted it and then he sort of did this bit of bit of a juke. He sort of went from his right through to his left and absolutely murked the player. Um, and then just sprinted and he timed his pass and his his selection out perfectly because he had Welbeck to his left. And Moises to his right. First of all, let's also say, what the hell was Moises Caicedo doing sprinting up central right forward position, but fine. And he picks his pass up perfectly. So he he was basically the halfway line, intercepted the ball, turns around someone, just loses two other players behind him, times his pass perfectly, and then Caicedo just blasts it in. Um, I don't really think many other players on the team do what Mwepu did there. Uh, And it's I love seeing it. I do wonder how often we'll see Mwepu start based on everything that we've discussed before and not having that out-and-out sort of anchor defensive midfield player. Um, but when we're able to play him in a home game against a weak side or changing the formation around a little bit, he really brings an edge to this team. He's he's, he's a really interesting player. He's pretty special, isn't he? I think we talked last week around his sort of goals and assists per game and what you could do if you extrapolate those those values and those figures um yeah it, it's just he always he always looks so gangly on the ball doesn't he like it just it just looks like he's he's never quite in control uh, and then he does something like that today and it's just 
yeah, he, he brings that. We always talk about that dynamism and that energy in the middle. Um, he's just so direct, so quick, and um, is able to pull that out of the bag. And fair play to Caicedo being on hand and just smashing it into the side netting as well, like he like he does it day in, day out. Um, yeah, put Caicedo up right wing. I yeah. want to see more of that. And, and we'll, we'll get on to Caicedo as well, but right forward, he, he was everywhere today uh, alongside the the inevitable inevitable McAllister that we'll talk about later as well but I thought Caicedo was everywhere today again and just again you look at that record since he started playing for us like it's a high high percentage he brings so much to this team um, and enables everyone else to shine at the same time it's incredible for a 20 year old yeah I would say we should point out that Solly's found a loophole in his um his goal scoring curse as well. He's just going to start uh, blasting it off players for <laughs> going to lead the league and own goals so moving forward. Yeah. And on the Caicedo front, I mean, Adam's joke aside, uh, I got to a match last year and, um, and got in, you know, did the fanboy thing early was in as soon as they opened the door and Caicedo aside from, every other player on the team was, I mean, I guess it's, it's warmups was one of the most lethal kind of finishers of the ball, just in, in basic warmup. So again, joke aside, the ability to get him into those scoring positions, I think is going to be, is obviously critical and key. So, and it showed today. Yeah. Uh, let's talk, let's talk comments in the chat. Cause there's a lot of them. So we're not ignoring you. We're going to just get to those right now because some of them fall in line with where I wanted to go with the, with the second Leicester goal. So, uh, Alex, uh, in the chat on YouTube, the last match is all forgotten now, uh, went from one of the worst performances to the best. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that second half. Um, I think it's up there for one of the best second halves in, in Amex history, uh, not just premier league, but we'll get to that. Um, the the L dude brothers, what a win! Uh, uh, yeah, five two is never a bad place to be. Uh, McAllister goal should not have been disallowed. We are getting to that, Mister Barbecue. Don't you worry that we will be addressing that one for sure. Uh, Alex as well, cracking response to that dire midweek performance. Thankfully, the VAR decision didn't swing the game to Leicester, and we pushed on. Uh, we will talk about that a little bit too because you could see it did affect us a little bit, uh, and. We'll talk again just about that mentality of the Albion once we get to that point in the in the game. Um, at time, it felt like it was going to be one of those games. Yep, you, we've talked about that. Uh, both of their goals still raise concerns with the defense, much like Tuesday. Hopefully, just a blip. Um, yeah, that's that's where we're going next. Um, so Leicester with a goalless draw. Uh, Nick in the chat as well against Stockport in the League Cup a couple of weeks ago. Fair play to you, Nick, for watching Leicester versus Stockport in the League Cup. Uh, that's doing the real research, <laughs> where they posed no attacking threat, uh, said pretty much that they'd offer nothing going forwards, uh, felt I jinxed things after minute one. Yeah, you. so we know who was almost to blame for this. Uh, Michael in the chat, that's my dad. Look at you, dad. You're adapting. You're commenting on YouTube comments on a live thread. Well Yeah, played. well, we need to boost our, our listener and viewer figures. <laughs> this is quite uh, I hope that's T, Josh. Yes, it is. Uh, it's only 1.53 p.m. I'm not on anything else just yet. Uh, Ox inspired. Let's go. Insane game today. What a performance. Bit worried about a little leaky at the back. But as long as we can keep finishing, that won't be an issue. McAllister today. Flame emoji. Uh, pretty much, pretty much sums up McAllister today. Uh, but let's talk about that second goal and, and what Alex and, and Ox have talked about. Uh, and that's the little bit leaky at the back performance that we saw today. 
Um, and this is the uh, third, maybe fourth time that we've seen it happen now uh, in six games. So it's becoming a bit of a pattern. Really obnoxiously stupid Hollywood balls going out to uh, to players that were never going to work out. Estepinion tried to do a huge big switch across the back four uh, a couple of games ago that was just absolutely mental. Uh, Webster did it today, which led to that second goal. Uh, Donkey did it. Uh, I think it was the first or second game that almost cost us as well. Uh, and I think there's been one other. It may have been Caicedo, I think, also tried to spread it miles out wide and almost cost us a goal a couple of weeks ago as well. Um Becoming a bit of a pattern, these huge balls that are trying to be big switches in our own half that aren't anywhere near enough to get us there to the to the man in question. And almost every single one has resulted in either a goal-scoring opportunity uh, that Sanchez has been required to save, uh, or today, unfortunately, we saw it, uh, a really tidy finish, all credit to him, um, and a really good goal today. Uh, but again, it was one of those things that was... Uh, very self-defeating, wasn't it? We we should have said we shouldn't have ever had that happen, um, and that's more than once we've seen it. What are we? What is going on there? Um, Webster not not having the best time, is he? These first couple of games in the season, um, and with Levi Colwell signed up, albeit just on loan, um, it's probably not the space you want to be in, is it? Uh, having these kind of rough games on occasion uh, early on. Yeah, and let's not forget about Van Heck being kept around too. Um, I don't think that the design there is to just have him sit on the bench all year. Uh, one thing that was interesting to me, because we always we can always pick out, like if someone makes a long ball and it's just one bad long ball and it costs you that, it that's, we suddenly spend a while talking about that. Um, I think if I remember it correctly, he tried to play the pass over, got intercepted. Leicester then passed it sideways and backwards, then forwards to Tielemans, who just went bang and played this amazing through ball through. And then Dunk just kind of slid and he wasn't ever going to get there. I think he just wanted to kind of look okay on the replay. Um, it was a weird pass and Webster hasn't been that good. He hasn't been that good since his injury last end of last season either. Um, but long ball stats from today. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing some of Josh's uh, stat stuff here. Look at this. Uh, get after it. Get yeah, this is it. this is big. It's probably all wrong. Uh, we attempted an absolute boatload of long balls today. Lewis Dunk attempted 15, uh, and 12 of them were accurate. Veltman, 11, 7 accurate. Webster was third with 9 and only 3 accurate. So we we tried a lot, and we're not commenting on, on the other 26 that Dunk and Veltman uh, made or the other 8 that Adam Webster attempted. It was a bit unlucky, I think it's just a part of the way in which we had to adapt to play against this team that was likes to play on the counter. Um, there's, there's something up with Adam Webster. I don't judge him for that ball, but there is something up with him. He's not the player he was this time last year. Yeah. There's a, there's a difference in those long balls as well. And I think just touching on that quickly is that we've seen a pretty hefty increase in that directness, especially the start of this season, is that you'll look at the stats from Sanchez, you'll look at the stats from you know, Webster, Dunk, uh, and Veltman to an extent, just the amount of more direct passes that we're trying to make. And I think those the, the stats will, will back it up. But it's the eye test as well is that you can see that that's, that's happening. Um, 
we may be just seeing a direct result of, of that maybe change in tactic that you know not all of them are going to come off and and also at the same time given how high we were at the time um and it's a great through ball and Dak has put it away amazingly by not taking away from the Leicester part of, of that second but, best Zambian on the pitch yeah not mm, bad yeah so it it just felt unnecessary to make that pass but then again if it comes off you're like brilliant Another crossfield ball. Yep. Everybody's laughing. Um, he's just he just got it wrong. Like you said, I don't begrudge people from getting it wrong. It's just if it starts to trickle in more and more often and, and we start seeing that happen over and over, that's where we probably need to be vigilant. But it it is what it is. Um, it's a great through ball for Tielemans. Dak has put it away with a plan. Like it's just annoying that that's been happening maybe one too many times so far. I, we're only six games in, I know, but um yeah, it's strange. Caveat before you jump in, Tommy, is that we, uh, again, like we're, we're highlighting the bits of our. <laughs> it would be a boring podcast if we just sat here and just said, Brighton are massive, we're amazing, we're fourth in the league, and then we just, just say how great everyone is for, for an hour. Uh, we're picking out the minutiae in the small few bad points that we're seeing out in what is essentially the best this side has ever historically performed. <laughs> so the, just just to note for people that are listening and like, why are these idiots all just saying bad stuff? Like, we, there was a lot of good stuff to talk about. Well, I'll thread the needle then between you and Craig. Then it felt like and you've all we've all been here as as former has been players in some level, but you've been on the pitch and you're like, oh, we're just going to have our way with these guys all day. It it struck me as just like an, a level of overconfidence. Of like, I'm going to send this ball and it's going to go exactly where I, you know, because 50 seconds in, all right, that's that's all you all have. And then it just seemed like everything was downhill towards our goal. And so it was, um, you know, I guess it was a nice uh, Webster reminder that there's other professional footballers on the field as well. And uh, I, it would have been great to have been a fly on the wall. I'm sure Dunk just absolutely annihilated him in the locker room at halftime about that ball as well. But, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. We'll, we'll pick, we'll pick at it, but I think it, uh, yeah, I think at times you could see him probably switching off at that point. So better than annihilating him on the pitch, like Leicester were doing before halftime, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> Cause they, they were getting into it. Yeah. I purposely don't want to talk about how bad they were because we were that good, but there, there was some, there is some stuff that needs to be talked about. We talked they didn't look like a Premier League team outside of the way they took the two goals and obviously Tielemann's quality um, when he wants to be, which isn't all the time. They they barely look like a Premier League team, which is such a worry for them, isn't it? And their fans, because Carl, coming from a few years back of the arguably one of the best seasons of football we've ever seen to see Leicester win a Premier League title, just reduced to this is a bit pitiful, isn't it? Uh, but we, it's nice to smash them as well. Screw them. We're not fans of Leicester. Yeah, uh, hopefully we don't, you know, in seven years' time, we don't look back on this title-winning season for us and realise it's become quite a pitiful ending for us. Um, I think we'll probably, we're better run than that, so we'll probably win back-to-backs. Um, but Dagan <laughs> in the chat, uh, Tommy, uh, I agree with your point about the character of players. To me, all of that is an extension of Potter's leadership and long-range developmental approach yeah. to team building. And let's talk about that because half-time was a big one. Uh, very lazy at the back, uh, as Tommy said, almost uh, arrogant to a fault. Um, and that team came out 
uh, from the second half. And we will have no bad words to say about this Brighton and Over Albion team from here on out until the end of the show. Uh, this was probably the best half of football I've seen from a Brighton team since probably since we were winning League One back with Gus Poyet and like where we were like almost faultless for like game after game after game. This was one of the most one-sided uh, dominant performances we've ever seen. Uh, and this was in the Premier League, not League One, with no disrespect to, to that that run. Um, whatever he said at halftime, fired him up. Uh, and within three minutes, uh, we thought we were back ahead uh, with one of the greatest thunder bastards in history uh, from Alexis McAllister. Unfortunately, VAR, after literally five minutes, not just... You know, one of, oh, it took a long time. No, it it literally took five in-game minutes on the clock to decide. Uh, that was not a goal. It was offside. Uh, I believe it was Caicedo who was supposed to be offside with the. Uh, I think it was Mwepu. Was it Mwepu? Mwepu. Yeah. Uh, so what what do we think about this, fellas? Because uh, the the two Robbies and Rebecca Lowe uh, on on NBC did not like the call at all. Uh, they really didn't like it. Jeff Stelling legend that he is, hated the call as well. Uh, and even Gary Lineker, Mr. Lester, uh, was not pleased. Uh, I think he was more annoyed at the time it took than anything else. Um, but across social media, uh, it's it was all the talk, really, until we ended up turning three more past them. Uh, but what, what do we think? Was, was it offside? Should it have been given as offside? And... Just general thoughts on on that, and from then on, we we start talking about just what was an utter demolishment. But what what do we think of that that VAR call? <sighs> it was egregiously stupid. Where, where did we get away from the clear and obvious error piece? And let's let's also not lose the the the, the piece around this whole weekend has been a disaster class for VAR. Uh, West Ham were cost to come back against Chelsea because Jared Bowen went near Mendy uh, for, and it had nothing to do with the actual play when they scored. It, the the reason, as you say, the only reason why we're not absolutely up in arms in this is because of what happened afterwards. Imagine how you would feel as fans right now if the game ended in a draw or even Leicester just scored a, uh, some counter at the end and won the game off the back of that horrendous refereeing. The fact that they had to go and spend all that time on it to then make a stupid decision. None of the Leicester players have even appealed the decision. Like, the, no one was even saying, ah, oh, no, that, you can't have that. No, it's, there, no one would have ever questioned if you'd have just not even looked into it. And I've seen... There was even a foul in the second half when Madison hacked down was a trossard or someone. They didn't even look at it. They just like continue on. This should have been a penalty. It should have been a second penalty. But no, let's call back one of the best goals you'll see all year because some dickheads in a studio a bunch of miles away thought, oh, let's get our little rulers out and figure this out. Idiots. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I mean, I think if you... Uh, well if you work backwards from Rebecca Lowe's comment, which, I mean, she literally said what is happening to our game <laughs> and you, and you continue on, on that path. Obviously the league has given 
the referees a little bit of leniency to determine the the physicality of the game has gotten much better and, and it, it's a lot more free flowing. So they've they've allowed them to decide, hey, we want you to have some control in how the the game kind of flows and is played. If you continue to work back from that, yes, maybe I don't even know. I mean, it's tough the, to see the player behind Wepu to see if he's off, but let's say he is. When they made that call, and when I thought when they sent the ref to the actual screen to review it, I thought, all right, this is how it's going to work. He's going to go over and realize I'm not going to change the character of this game based on some ticky-tack minor, you know, potential infringement. And when he didn't, it became the sense of like, well, what's the purpose of, not to get too like draconian about it, but what's the purpose of them? At this point, you might as well just have a yeah. cameras everywhere and just make the calls through a computer system. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Let's go crazy. Let's get some robots in. Let's do it. It's, it's stupid. It's farcical. Stupid. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if Mobu scores on that bicycle kick somehow, and you have to take it away because of the offside, then that's a different discussion, maybe. But you know, to fast forward all the way back to Re- Rebecca, I think it's what what's happening to the game at this point. So they they have to get that fixed because at, at that point as well. <laughs> Granted, and we'll talk about it. This goes to the Adam's theme of we'll just talk about the positive in a little bit. But like to I felt absolutely gutted for Alexis at that point. That is arguably the greatest strike of his life that could potentially have been the game winner. And it was it was unceremoniously stolen from him, you know, and you felt for him. Now we'll we'll get to the that character comment about the the club because I think it speaks. You almost saw the reaction when they took it away from him. It didn't phase him. He was just like, "All right, well, let's crack on and let's just keep going and win this." You know, so so good on them. But yeah, I, I'm I'm with Rebecca and all of you on down. So, Craig, I'm going to come to you for this as well. Uh, just in the comments, uh, Nick, ridiculous VAR call. At best, it was inconclusive. In which case, you should give benefit of the doubt to the attacking team. Uh, but you have to break if you have to break out the set squares and protractors. Give the goal. Uh, it seems to have gone from checking for errors to desperately looking for reasons not to give the goal. Uh, Ox as well also said it was not quite as bad as Mendy and the Newcastle decision yesterday. Uh, Michael says Potter said it went by shadows according to the the, the officials when he spoke to him. Um, that's not the first time I've heard that in the last calendar week either. We've heard that uh, more than once from from officials. They they decided things by shadows. Um, but here's the one that I wanted to talk about and get your thoughts on Craig as to whether you you agree with this piece. So uh, if the player interferes with play. Is, is the reasoning that's probably going to go into the referee report. Um, however, Ox in the chat doesn't think that Justin would have headed it anywhere else anyway. And at that point, a new passage of play. We're into another phase of play at that point when it gets cleared. Do you? Do, what do you think on the on the fact that interfering with play? Do you think it was into? Did you, do you think he interfered enough to affect the trajectory of that header, or do you think Justin would have done anything different? Do you do you think there's foundation behind that? Is what I'm asking you. I think there is, um, it, but then you go into the granular detail of how much is he interfering. It's, it's not whether he was or wasn't, it was to an extent. Um, 
and when you come to that point and would he have done anything different i personally and again it's all subjective i think that's what they were you know, beating the drum when on the commentary was this is a purely subjective piece of officiating and um, and i think we can all agree the level of officiating isn't good enough in the premier league and hasn't been for a while and um, but to the to the var point is is he affecting enough of the play to to change the outcome or drastically change what's happening and i don't think he is and um, that's come out all the way out to the you know 25 yards out it's it's completely what well, it's been clear to an extent and um, and alexis has the ability to just put it top bins um it's and i think i agree with the rest of you it's the amount of time it takes to cherry pick a mistake and a reason why this is not a goal so that benefit of the doubt of the attacker, you know, when we're talking 10, 15 years ago, when we were playing, it was always just give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker when it came to offsides and, and that sort of stuff. That's why we've got thicker lines. That's the general premise is that you want an entertaining game. Let's not chalk off every single possible thing. And if it does take five genuine in-game minutes, like Josh said, then that's not clear and obvious. And, and I think that's where VAR is completely deteriorated, where it's looking for any reason to stop something from happening as opposed to allowing or giving the benefit of the doubt. Then I start thinking, well, if that was given against us, would we feel aggrieved to an extent possibly, but also if someone finished like that, I can think of Antonio at home against West Ham where he shoved dunk and then whacked in the top bins. You just, that's part of the game. You win some, you lose some. Um, it's just, I, the one thing that gets on my mind is the amount of time it takes to find something clear and obvious. It is not clear and obvious anymore. Yeah, uh, that is, that's the key point. I think that's absolutely it. Give him 30 seconds, figure it out. If you can't figure it out, we're just going with what's already been decided. Uh, it's, it's, they've already come out and said that the PGMOL have already said that they're going to review or basically said that the West Ham and Newcastle ones w were wrong. I bet their fans are really content with that. What's that going to mean? A letter of apology and also we'll learn from our mistakes. It's BS. It doesn't help anyone. And they won't learn either. We've seen we've seen they won't learn. <laughs> no, no. This is the first conversation or the last that we'll have about this. But thankfully it wasn't it didn't didn't make a difference. But uh what, it a, what a strike. What a strike it, though. Yeah. Um, and the other route, Josh, put your dad's uh, shadows comment and just start having like a Fred Flintstone, like sundial wristwatch to keep time. From <laughs> like... Yeah, let's just go really far the other way and just take it completely. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but let's talk about the goal, uh, because you're right. The mentality was superb, Tommy. They, they didn't back off. Uh, they just went straight back at it. Uh, and we got two goals in, in six minutes again, funnily enough, a uh, little bit later on. Um, and the first one came from Leandro Trossard, uh, a player that I can't remember whether it was Tuesday or whether it was the weekend uh, that I, we noted had, a, I think it was the weekend, he had a couple of superb chances. Um, and every time he had one, he made the wrong decision. There was what times when he should have shot, he cut in. Times when he cut in, he should have shot. Uh, and we noted that he seemed absolutely against hitting the ball with his left foot. And today, just like at Spurs, tucked away our third with absolute ease, with his left foot. Leandro Trossard, in an absolute nutshell, isn't it, today? Uh, he can be quiet as a mouse um, for, 
for 65 minutes um, and then produced six minutes of a goal and what was one of the most disgusting little bits of skill we'll talk about to win a penalty um, in it's six minutes later. Yeah, what, what's Flemish for magician? That's a chat. I want everyone <laughs> chat to figure that one out real quick. It was, it was, it was magic and the fourth one as well. That one, but yeah, he's uh, he's everything that we know and we've said about him. We just we got the good we got the good Leo today. Uh, it's more in the second half. Superb, superb stuff from him. But uh, I really, I really do want to talk about the penalty piece as well because it was just just a fantastic murking of Ndidi. The to create the goal that I'm, I'm watching it back right now. Veltman loses possession, and the Leicester player is about to run forward, and our friend Alexis McAllister just pile drives in, and basically sort of goes around one and a half players, puts the ball into Pascal Gross, who plays an amazing through ball through to Trossard, and he doesn't really hesitate, takes one touch and just slams it into the, the bottom right corner. That those three were stunning players today in that second half. Trossard, Gross, and, and Alexis. We'll go on to Alexis after this Trossard comment, but for me, I really don't. I've been very, very judgmental about Alexis's contributions over the past couple of years. I don't know if I've seen a more dominating 45 minutes from a player in a Brighton shirt than, than what he did this, this second half, even with a goal chalked off. He should have a hat-trick. He was utterly superb. And for me, Trossard doesn't score that goal without him doing the work that he did. I mean, well, obviously, we'll I'll get my Trossard bit in, and then we'll we'll talk about the, the McAllister performance. But um, yeah, this, like you said, that's what we get with Leo. When he's good, he's great, uh, and when he has an off day, he has a really off day. And there's a level of inconsistency there that we've harped on about for episodes and episodes. Um, just around which one are you going to get today? Um, he seems so at home in that left wing back role now where he's actually making it his own. Um, and if he's able to score and get assists from that position, as well as not give anything up defensively, which is out in question, given that we conceded two today, um, then I, I can't see him giving up that space. I think Estepinian's just going to have to wait if he's going to play to that degree. Um, so that's a nice problem to have. For Potter, it, it's you know we have someone that, like you said, clearly isn't up to par in the pace of the Premier League right now. Don't worry, if if Leo has a game like that once every two games, then we're going to win once every two games. Um, so so yeah, but then, like you said, McAllister ran everything for forty five minutes, and um, and we we've spoke about his sort of new role in that team and and where he's playing and the role that he's playing now. Um, it's safe to say that he's adjusted pretty well to that life. And I think him and him and Caicedo in the middle is is a dream. And you saw that for, you know, more than 45 minutes today. But if we're focusing on the second half, I've never seen a more shorter performance than than that. Well, good. People fishing out a bunch of uh, it's comparisons and we've got Clark Kent's to Superman's and uh, various Flemish references. People have gone off piece with the Belgium stuff, Tommy. So, uh, and I think Dagen's even added the the Flemish for magician to Tovenar, probably butchering it. Yeah, yeah it's a good trying, Adam. I was not going to attempt. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know <laughs> why it was an attempt to learn other languages. Yeah. So. Uh, Alexis McAllister, superb. Um, and we'll we'll get to his performance shortly in in 
once we get to that fifth goal and the fourth goal, really, uh, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll basically be able to start moving on to the players themselves uh, individually because it was all just him from then on out. Um, but that, that penalty win uh, by Leo, um, what a tidy bit of skill that was. Uh, Wilfred Ndidi is not a centre-half. Uh, I think, Adam, you talked about it on Tuesday about how he, he is currently being forced to play there. Deeply unhappy playing there. Um, and just got absolutely rinsed by Leo, didn't he? And it was about <laughs> as clear a penalty as you can possibly get. Um, it was championship centre-half levels of mistake uh, against a top top flight player. It was shocking, shocking set of defending. Uh, and and we, we then had a, a penalty taker that we now have full faith in. Uh, and how confident did he look? Stroking that away down the middle as well, by the way. Um, and, and it never looked in doubt, did it? That, yeah. that that five seconds he takes when the whistle's blown, like, gives me severe anxiety because it's just, he's so calm, but I've never seen anyone else do that where I'm going to take this penalty on my own time and I'm going to score it. And yeah, the, the ball's on the lad. It's it's really, it's good to see. And like I think we said last week, it's nice to have a penalty taker where we're actually confident in, in his ability to put it away. And um, a little bit nervy today, straight down the middle, but uh, he, he tucked it away nonetheless. Uh, this is the first time I didn't feel nervous about a penalty, uh, just because of what he's done recently. And I think he needed his a point to prove off after that after VAR's silliness. Uh, the trust I think is just incredible. Uh, Man United just paid a hundred million to get a player to do basically that all game. And we've got one for you know the cut price of that. Uh, he was, I will say, Leicester's Leicester's defensive lineup outside of Bournemouth to me looks like the worst goalkeeper backline combination I think I've seen this. Well, definitely this year, just heinous. Wilfred and Didi and Johnny Evans as your centre backs, and then Danny Ward looks Championship level keeper to me. Uh, very. Very flappy all over the place. Not to take away from the fact that there are not many players that would attempt what Trossard did. And there are not many players that would just confidently step up and just smash the ball down the middle for a penalty after a five-second wait. So, good stuff. Yeah, we should lobby whoever makes the highlight film at the end of the year for the club that includes all the goals. Not to exclude uh, a very uh, cheeky and dirty kind of penalty. Um, but we should just swap the actual upper V strike that got disallowed with that one as well or <laughs> and, uh, and call it good because, yeah, it was wonderful. And it, Adam, to your comment about just the back line as well. I mean, I had my nine-year-old daughter sitting with me and I had to like cover her eyes because the, the back line kept like blatantly dropping F-bombs at each other like in full view that a nine-year-old could kind of read. And it was just, you know, it was Ward literally, you know, at in front of his players. Yeah, he nearly had a fight with Ndidi in the first half, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Yeah. Ndidi should have just commented, like, we'll get some footwork behind yourself. But, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, it wasn't great. Not for us. <laughs> well, yeah, not for us. It was. Well, it was insert that to the character ju- juxtaposition. Yeah, and you can only uh, this cliche, but you can only play what's in front of you. And 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 we uh, well, we've seen the, the the downside of that on Tuesday, where arguably on paper you beat that Fulham team, um, but they 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 did it properly today. 
Yeah, um, and today was a fun one uh, on the stat side of things because when you look at the overall, you know, like, like the basic stuff that you see on your sofa scores and who scores, it was a good uh, indication that today, uh, unlike some of the others like Fulham, that the eye test and the stats match each other perfectly um, because the stats read as dominant as the team performed. Um, I've, I've not seen this in a long time, so we'll get to this one last, but uh, dominated possession today, which is something we haven't done pretty much all season. Uh, namely because of that big uptick in long balls that, that we've talked about uh, a couple of times. And Adam, you pointed out today, but uh, past success rent rate all the way back up to 85%, which is a huge improvement upon the last couple of weeks, uh, dominated on corners uh, 10 to 1. And we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, once we've covered the game, really, in, in one of those graphics from the Athletic, Adam, you sent over in Albion's really poor performance from set pieces. Uh, but we had 23 shots today, uh, 11 of them on target. Can you remember the last time we had 23 shots? Because I can't. That was outrageous. I didn't really know what it felt like to have 23 shots and score five goals. This is a new feeling. Yeah, I was going to say there was a Palace game. I think we had 26 and lost 2-1. But <laughs> Peak XG, yes. Yeah. Scrubbed, scrubbed from my brain. Um, just yeah awful uh, yeah Ox as, as well he was thinking of that Palace game it was the uh, I think it was the Benteke was it the last kick of the game at the back post Everything. yeah don't, we don't need to talk about this we can just yeah absolutely um, so let's talk about the players uh, because I mean it was it was a who's who of unbelievable performances um, and let's talk about one of them uh, that probably isn't going to get talked about much by, by much of anybody else um, Mr. Danny Welbeck Back in the side today, and my goodness, did we look a different side again. We looked the same side that, that put us into that top four, top five in the first place. The way he stretches defences, we've said it a bunch of times, but he was back at it again today. Um, you know, nothing nothing to show for it, unfortunately for him. Um, but, I, I, you know, I put it on social media as well. We've We have been crying out for... And it's the reason why so many people cry about wanting more strikers, right? And to the extreme extent that some people were on Thursday. But, you know, we want strikers because we don't have faith in the players behind them to score goals. Because historically, over the last two to three seasons, they've shown they're not capable of scoring the amount of goals we need from them. Um, something has changed in these team, this, these players' mentality. Uh, and Danny Welbeck is the catalyst for that being allowed to happen. The space he provides these players uh, to allow someone like Caicedo to maraud down the right wing out of nowhere um, and put one away like that. Uh, the ability for Trossard to play such a high level of left wing back, the way he's able to play so far up so often is because Danny is dragging them all so far out of position and so far back into their own box. And he held up the ball beautifully today. Uh, there was a couple of times those long balls went directly to him. He was big. He was strong. I, he's not going to get a lot of plaudits today uh, outside of here, probably, because everybody's going to be focusing on some unbelievable performances. Uh, but there was one big change from Tuesday, and that was Danny Welbeck was back in the side. And look at what we did. Special, isn't he? I think it's just you think about what he does for the team. Like you said, he's a bit of an unsung hero for us and uh, he allows other things to happen. Um, I think I, I messaged you both as well. I was like the midfield 
brought their shooting boots today. Um, and it's it's not it it is due to the hard work that the rest of the team is putting in. Um, and to note, Danny Welbeck um, currently playing out of his skin and the best we've seen him in a, a fairly long time. So um, credit to him. He's obviously put in the work. Like I said, he looks jacked as well. Like he's, he's throwing himself about. He's quick. Um, he's really clever. Um, has everything that we need to get that midfield going. And, and if we start scoring more goals from midfield, like you said, we, we don't need this hypothetical 20-goal-a-season striker. Um, Graham kindly pointed out there's only two of those in the whole league. So, you know, they have to come from somewhere. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there might be three of them now, given that Haaland has... Um, Maybe. Is it, uh, nine or ten, ten goals in the first six? By the way Salah started, I think it'll go down to two. Oh, you're correct. Yes, yeah, we've switched out. Uh, yeah, get him on the plane, Gareth. Come on. He's, he, we need some experience in that team. Uh, and it's not like outside of Harry Kane, there's a wealth of strong talent up front, depending on your uh, perception of, of Sancho, Rashford and Sterling and co., but I think it's a combination of things. This this game was a perfect storm. This this was ideal outside of the, the two silly conceded goals. This could have absolutely been a 5-0 win. Um, and it's the kind of game that this, this team wants to see. Not entirely reliant on a number nine shirt, but everyone else getting goals, an incredibly strong performance from and midfield on the wingers. A lot of last season, and dare I say it, this might be controversial, but one of the reasons we didn't get quite as many goals from the midfield is because of us being more reliant on playing some of our, some of those players that maybe don't necessarily have quite as good a shot on them. If you think about today, we were playing Trossard as left wing back last year. That was Kukurea. Kukurea is an amazing player, but he's not really a great finisher. Is he? Basuma famous for just sending them into, to Rose Ed. Uh, Lalana. I don't think Lalana's hit the, broad side of a barn for about four years at this point and then sometimes oftentimes we're playing Lamptey great player not very good at shooting march to katana shots they don't all work out that well but at some point if you smash them enough at the goal one will go in gross has been incredible McAllister can score we've seen McAllister can score Caicedo can score we've seen that today Trossard can score from left back Mwepu can smash them in we know, these are the players that can score from, from midfield positions and, and winger positions. Um, I don't know if we were set up necessarily. We were more reliant last year and definitely the year before that on a forward. If these players keep doing this, then I don't care. Put anyone up there. Put anyone up front. doesn't matter. I would, I would like to go back and look at the, the first goal as well to see what Danny's involvement was. But I think the I don't know if you all kind of agree, but the direct kind of play from us this year compared to the past, I think is directly correlated to what he can do for us to hold that ball. And it provides a lot. And you think about when was the last time and not many do this, but when was the last time that Brighton scored from a wing back directly connecting with another wing back for a goal. And I think that allows in previously and not necessarily to a fault, but previously there was so much tried to be intricate play to kind of build out of the back. And I get it, but it, it provide it's too hard then to bring the entire midfield into a position where they feel secure to actually 
overextend themselves a bit and get into those positions like Sully did for that first goal. And I, I again, I think it it goes directly back to um, to Danny's ability to to, to hold the ball um, and provide those runs and stretch that defense a bit more. Yep, eighty four percent pass accuracy today from our hold up striker. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that That's if you're wanting to uh, to get strong strong build up. Um, let's talk about some of the others, obviously, because they were outstanding. So what we'll do as actually we'll just go to man of the match because I think we're probably going to talk about all the ones that we want to here. Um, so starting with uh, let's start with Craig because uh, you're next to me on my screen. Who have we got for you for man of the match and why? Well, I'm glad you came to me first because I can take I can take uh, the the easy one. I think it could be anyone. <laughs> yeah, it's the, his best performance for Brighton by far. It has to be McAllister. The mentality, like we've been talking about, have that absolute wonder strike called off, and then go and put a, a free kick in the same corner. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, just ran the show for 45 minutes. Just got his his just desserts. Should have had two more theoretically. We should have had another penalty, and I don't agree with the offside. So, it, one of the best performances I've seen from an individual in a very long time. Uh, I can I can go. Uh, well, I think it's quite fun. You know, it's a good performance when we we haven't really even commented on sort of the ninety six minute thirty five yard free kick <laughs> that went in. Uh, which was when was we didn't score many free kicks directly like that. The last one I can think of is Gross against Everton, where he just twatted it, <laughs> just <laughs> smashed it. Yeah, we don't. This isn't that free kick where it just bends around the wall and goes top corner. That I don't. My memory's not very good, but it would have to be especially good if I remember the last one of those. Um, yeah, look, it's obviously Alexis. But as we as we said earlier, there's a, there's an argument there to say Gross played. Gross just I still don't really understand what's happened there. He's just looks some a million dollars, uh, and tr- I'll, I'll give it to Trossard though purely purely for the, the the silliness, purely for that little murk around Ndidi. Uh, that that adds another like two points to his rating out of ten for me. So he, he takes over Alexis purely for that audaciousness. I, to speak of, back to your, um, I'll, I'll pick a, 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 a man of the match as well. But Adam, to your point about the the free kick, I listened to the interviews after, and I'd, I'd like to explore this a little bit more. Um, maybe you, Craig, because you're like the analytics guy. But uh, McAllister mentioned something about using software to help improve his free kick taking abilities, and I my my you know, minuscule soccer brain did not uh, compute the level of that, but it looked precision to that, that point as well. So we'll, uh, yeah, and we should talk about, it. and it just felt like just to, to pile on to, to McAllister here. Um, it, it was just, it was so fitting, you know, and in, in a, in a, in a game where you're trying to, you know, when you're looking at the kind of soccer gods and that capacity to make up for what occurred to him prior, I mean, you could not have written it any better. And you almost start to think about now this goal should turn, the one that was disallowed should turn from, oh, you know, VAR sucks, which it does, et cetera, et cetera, into this beautiful story of not only the match, but like the character of the club to say, 
hey, look at all these things that someone like McAllister had like overcome and look at then that second half that he put together, you know, um, with having that setback. So, yeah, so all uh, just to just to pick someone else since I can't. So your man and matches after all that Webster, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I could pick Dunk and just say, you know, and just assume that uh, he, you know, slapped everybody around and that helped in that second half as the captain. No, I mean, Solly Marsh was, he's always been my guy, you know, um, uh, or a, a favorite character on the club for years, obviously. And I, I do think I want to uh, pick on just how kind of relentless he was all day after time where he had a couple of um, tougher matches and then to give up the ball that led to the first goal in that first minute um, and, and then just tick off everything else that we've done. I, I I'll, I'll just put it on him to, to add to the, the general midfield that it was uh, unbelievable today. Yeah. There's so many names, isn't there, that we could, we could go through um, just to cover some key stats today as well, before we, before I throw mine out there, um, which is probably not going to be that exciting. Anyway, uh, Enoch Wepu led the team in tackles today. You wouldn't have thought that, would you? But lead him from the front. Uh, and I think he's doing exactly what we wanted Lalana to do. And you saw that with the way Lalana would press for 60 minutes. Um, yeah, led the way with led the way in tackles today. Um, and by double as well. Big time. Uh, he was more important than I think we realized. Uh, Pascal Gross led the way led the way in key passes, leading to to, to opportunities today. Uh, he just keeps doing it. He just keeps churning away. Um, and there's one player that we we haven't mentioned, and we continue to not mention him whenever we talk about defensive lapses, and that is Mr. Consistent Joel Veltman today. He isn't my man of the match by any stretch, but we didn't talk about him again because he just isn't making mistakes. He's just so consistent. This is a £900,000 player. I know we say it every two weeks, but Jesus Christ, like... Again, like he he didn't do anything wrong today. It, none of those none of those goals were on him. Uh, none of those defensive lapses were on him. Uh, he was very good today, and he partnered up with Solly March again really well. Inflation, Josh. He's now on the uh, three quarters of a million player. Just <laughs> adjust it accordingly. But uh, yeah, Alexis McAllister for me. I'm just going to have to just go with it because it was just so obvious, uh, and it was the most complete midfield performance we've seen from him ever um and it's one that we've talked about for so long isn't it like defensively is where he has the hang-ups and he got booked early in that first half um so i was like oh no <laughs> oh no no please don't get bucked again um but he was he was imperious in that midfield uh defensively today and i mean i will be against currently the worst team in the league defensively he just is growing every single week um, and it probably can't hurt to be playing alongside one of the most defensively talented midfielders we've, we've ever seen at the Albion, even at the age of 20. Um, but he was picture perfect today. Should have had a hat-trick. Uh, should have been hat-trick of the Premier League history, really, if if he had accounted. Um, I don't think there's any better hat-trick ever uh, than that one if he had been allowed to have scored that first. But I just thought he was unbelievable, um, as did all of you. I know that, but just unreal. Um, and it's it is worth noting that he is in the last year of his contract. By the way, uh, he's added zeros onto that contract every time. Do we? He's got a trigger. There's a twelve month extension trigger in there. I think, isn't there? 
I think oh. there definitely was for Trossard. I'm not sure about Max. I think he has it as well. 23, by the way. He's 23 years old and there's a World Cup coming up in two months. So. He's in the squad 100% like that. I think that's he's been in he's been in it consistently, isn't he? But this felt like his bright and I know he's been man of the match once already this season, I think. Um this felt like he's coming out party though, didn't it? This felt like he's like true evolutioners. You you are now the player we hoped you would be. Uh, I, he doesn't do this second half last year. He doesn't do it the year before. Um there's something something's happened there where he's 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 changed himself and he's he's now this becoming the engine of the team. And I, I I want to go back to what you said there with him next to Caicedo. It's just obscene that we've walked, we've not walked into it because that then sort of hints at luck. The fact that this recruitment team just collect these players it, it is, is well, it's not really rivaled in the league for the most part. No other club can do this. Ridiculous. So good. Do you think, uh, now I want to move on to a comment Ox left like 40 minutes ago. I haven't forgot about you, Ox. I saw it. Uh, should we be scoring more from set pieces with the likes of Webster and Dunk? Uh, seems like it's been a while since someone rifled a header home. Uh, so let's just talk about that a little bit. Uh, Ten corners today for the Albion. Um, nothing to show for it. Should have had an absolute thunder strike right of that goal from from the second ball from a set piece but no goals uh today you know from that kind of situation uh what do we what are we thinking there um obviously we're we've found ourselves a penalty taker which is nice um we seem to have just found ourselves a direct free taker as well if he can keep hitting them like that um but these these goals from corners and stuff they're not they're not coming as much as they really should with the likes of Pascal Gross and McAllister uh, and players like that as set piece experts that we have. Why why do you think that is? Do you think with the with the aerial talent we have in that side? What do you think we're not getting there, or is it just one of those bad luck things? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think yeah, it's, it's such a cop out answer, but it, it, there there is no reason is there because you you have two very talented headers of the ball um you know there's there's Welbeck in there as well that can also do it um you have two very good free kick takers um in, in McAllister and Gross it's just not clicking I guess I there's there's I can't really put my finger on why we're we're not as well not as attacking or not as dangerous from those set pieces um but then if you, you come to it, if McAllister can do that from the penalty spot and, and 30 yards out, and Gross does put good balls in, I think it's just... Um, but then part of my mind goes, well, they weren't really dangerous from set pieces either, or any sort of other team that I'm watching isn't really that dominant from set pieces either. Um, I don't feel at unease when, when a team has a corner as well. So um, it's a strange one. I, I haven't seen anyone really that's super dangerous from those free kicks or those corners where I think, oh, we're in trouble here. Um, I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm keen to hear what Adam and Tommy think too. We, we spoke we spoke about this with Jonathan, the Brighton Bard, on the transfer pod on, when was this? We've done so many pods this week. What, Thursday? Because uh, well, he raised the same issue. So how, I'm not quite sure why we're not doing this. Um, 
it felt like we could have taken another five, six corners with the same outcome. And the problem with maybe putting Alexis back on corner duty, because if you remember last season, he moved on to corners and we started to have a little bit of uptick in success. But now, after what you've seen today, you need him sat outside the box, really, ready for a rebound to smash it in the top corner. So, I, I, no, I don't want him on corners. Um, so I don't know. I wonder whether part of it's due to a bit of regression in form that we've seen out of Webster. Um, I still think no one really does it as good as Duffy did. Um, and we've not really caught up with that. But I don't have a good answer for you either. Uh, the, the, the only thing I will say, the big saving grace is, when you score five goals outside of that, I don't really care. So just keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, here's my my really profound answer for you, Craig. And I'm tapping all of my uh, has-been striker uh, knowledge here. It's just hard. <laughs> I, I, I'm interested if, if Josh or you have it. I think the, the important factor would be over the duration of a season, have we conceded more than we have scored? And I think that's – I think the – the biggest mark because uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think to Adam's comment aside from Duffy, I, I, I don't see anybody better than dunk that's sitting out there in the league. And if, if he's not making it happen, I, the, the, the balls in the box to, you know, from Pascal for the most part are, are, you know, by and large, good balls. It's just sometimes you need a little bit of extra luck on that side. But the bigger thing would be not to concede on the other end. That that part you can control a little bit more. But. Yeah, um, I don't have those numbers for you. I'll get them. I feel like I'm at work now. Well, I'll get the, I'll get that data for you. I've got I've got some random numbers for you, if it helps. Uh, this deeply researched in the last ten seconds is that last season there were 146 goals from corners in the Premier League, um, and between. 10 and 14 percent it's just standard googling 10 to 14 percent of all Premier League goals are from corners they're not from ours not mm. even close so I the top three sides of goals from corners last year though Liverpool Man City Arsenal so clearly there is something that the better sides are doing and I don't look at an Arsenal side from last year and think to myself well wow, that's a bunch of six foot five lads that are getting up for corners um especially when you look around at who we had on the pitch today with Dunk and Webster and Wepu, like there's there's guys up there that can get their head up. I just don't know. I'm not quite sure why they're not doing it. It becomes yeah. a numbers game at that point. Uh, maybe the number of attempts. I don't know. Yeah. If, if Ox asked, asked the question, both he and I brain went back to that Crystal Palace loss that we uh, had also about 15 corners. So we're probably remembering that. Hmm. Drumming up uh, old history. But yeah, I don't know. That's a good call. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another one just around the league. Uh, grass is not always greener, is it, fellas? Um, Bissouma on the bench, still not able to get in. Uh, Conte said he is well behind Benteke and Hoiberg right now. Not just a little bit. He was quite clear that he was Classic far behind yeah. uh, them in getting a start. Um, Kukurea, uh bang average to poor. Uh, Chelsea fans were desperate to get him off. Uh, Chilwell comes on and scores an absolute screamer. Um, and then yesterday, Neil Morpé had more shots uh, for Everton than he ever had with Brighton and Albion. Uh, so there was a lot of discussion around Neil over the last three years. And one of them was we have to provide better service for a player that 
needs opportunities to score, right? He needs a volume striker. We need to get him more opportunities to score. We're not providing him that. We're pr- pr- putting in all this pretty build-up with no final ball into the box. Well, yesterday he had it uh, at Everton. More shots than ever before. Uh, 0.7 XG, zero goals. Um, not the greatest start in the world for him. Uh, and broke down about three counter-attacks with how slow he was. Um, just feels like we've made some great business here, doesn't it? <laughs> we've offloaded two of our best players and our top scorer for the last three seasons, uh, and none of them are pulling up sticks anywhere else, and we're currently sat forth in the Premier League. Uh, Tony Bloom's business model, ladies and gents. Josh, can I add an extra layer to that? Because I think Absolutely. it's a good thing to... Uh, this would be a fun investigative report for Mr. Andy Naylor, since he's probably listening in. Um, would be... Uh, <laughs> In the post-match interview, Solly March said something that that struck with me. He said that this is the best group that he's been around since he's been at the club. And the interviewer kind of questioned him on like, well, you just lost arguably, you know, two or three of your best players. I'm not sure how she actually phrased it. And so it made it seem like, no, I think this just goes to that character piece of like, no, in the locker room and on the practice pitch, and I and I, you wonder if you know it, it goes to a little bit of Potter saying, "Hey, I'm not going to cry if we sell some of these players for you know north of X amount because of I don't know. I'm not saying that those three that you mentioned are, are bad characters in the locker room. I'm just wondering if there's a, a correlation there between what you just brought up and what Solly had said. Well, we definitely saw towards the tail, even middle tail end of last season, the characters of, of Mope and Basuma when things weren't going that well in certain mm-hmm. games and, and their attitudes at the end of walking off and so on and so forth. And we don't know the inner workings of all that, but there was quite clearly something, especially a player knows that their days are numbered at the club. The bad days don't look good. If you're not getting game time, it doesn't look good. Um, and now with this, the South American contingent, we've got and we've got a good group that clearly you're just watching them outside of the, the 90 minutes, it's very clear that there's a good camaraderie there and, and that, that then just goes on to, to fuel itself over and over again. So I, I, I wish all the, play, the players that have left, I wish them all the best. Like, I'm not here to, I'm not going to say, oh, uh, Mope, ah. but it's more of a case of, great, we got, the, we got good money for these players and if they're not working out for these new clubs, that's a shame for them, but we're going from strength to strength and we've replaced them already in a really effective way. I will say I did laugh on the, when we're talking about corners. First corner for Chelsea, Kukure just slammed it against the first person uh, in the just on the edge of the box. Just went nowhere. So I was like, okay, well, don't worry. That's not everyone has these problems, guys. It's not just us. Yeah, uh, Chelsea are having their a whole set of their own problems. Uh, they're a very, very odd side. Uh, Tuchel is an absolute prick, so I'm happy to see it. But uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not so much laughing at them. Uh, but it really it is interesting, right? It's that this this mentality of we wanted to go play for bigger clubs. I drove past Stamford Bridge one day and I said to my wife, "Can imagine playing there." Um, you know, <laughs> of all the stadiums as well, it's not even I, it's crap now. <laughs> yeah, I know. If it was like the Spurs Stadium when it was just rolled out, it, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, the the grass is not always greener. Um, and we're seeing it in real action, uh, live action, that some of these players are, are not making the step up that they're hoping to early on with, with some of these clubs. And I think Basuma is more than good enough to be in that starting midfield, and it's a shame he isn't. 
Um, I was really hoping I was going to watch him tear up Europe, but it, it seems like he's really struggling at the minute. And I think, Tommy, you brought in a really interesting point. All the media has been talking about all summer is Brighton are sold their best players. I wonder if that's helped with a kind of us against them mentality. Uh, not us against those three players, but us against the world. Like, they think we're worse than last year. Like, okay, let's go out there and show them that we're not. Let's go out there and show them what we've got. Let's go and show them that this business model works. This club works. Our manager is excellent. And we are, as a team, good enough to succeed without them. It, it feels, I wonder if that's part of that mentality. When you said Solly was saying it's it's the best team, I, I wonder if that's what, going about four steps of logic down the road, I, I wonder if that's part of that that mentality that they have. Well, and you brought up our, our farm system in West London there. And so I'll bring it up from the... <laughs> from the, the Billy, I know nothing about Billy Gilmore at all, um, but you wonder if how much he's just salivating at the thought of getting to play with this club at whatever place he has and is he is in his career, and 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 hopefully it speaks to exactly that that it'll to your point, Josh, thinking three, four, you know, uh, kind of steps down the road that now you'll be having other players, you know, it's already kind of, ex- you can already see, I know Adam, you've talked, tapped into this a lot around, you know, from an Ecuadorian and kind of South American perspective, but there's already some sort of, you know, the, 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 uh, the news is out on what's kind of going on in, inside the club and inside the clubhouse. So. There's something special here though, isn't there? I think Josh, you've, you've said that a few times and, and sort of tweeted it out. There's this air of invincibility at the moment that's, surrounding that you know everything is pulling in the right direction and everyone's on the same page and whilst we have got rid of some solid players like some of our best players from last year and years years gone um we're still fourth 13 from 18 points um we're attacking these games and we're in control for a lot of these games um long may it continue but there's there's something very good about this group and you, you can feel it is borderline tangible so um yeah it's really exciting uh, and when you think you know just to pick out the midfield just because they were so good today but when you have a 23 year old and a 20 year old as your as your your two your two midfielders um and they're running premier league games like it's nothing um there's, there's something very good about this team and potter's got them moving all in the right direction and uh, maybe like you said using some of that uh some of that camaraderie and to say, look, let's go and show them what we've got. Yeah. We've, we've made 60 million pounds profit this year. People think that we should have replaced you with better players. So, so go and prove them wrong. You, you heard from Billy Gilmore's interview when he first signed. One of the first things he did when the transfer was being discussed, he called Levi Colwell and he called Tarrant Lamptey from uh, when the Chelsea days, obviously. Um, this this is this works the same as Dupinion. You don't think he obviously picked up the phone and had a chat with his his, his countrymen at the club. Uh, this stuff is contagious in a good way. Um, long may it continue because we've still got money to spend. January is not that far off. We're in September. Uh, we can start to continue making this thing go from strength to strength. 
Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go too far over the hour and a half mark, or an hour and eighteen, nineteen in now. But Tommy, I did want to take some time. Uh, we're going to cover Bournemouth. Just a quick look ahead to Bournemouth after this. Uh, but I'd love you to, especially because it was a while ago that you're on for Everton, uh, and we're obviously trying to do our best to forget. However, that performance went down. Uh, but I'd love you to, uh, for those who are listening on the pod to the podcast on your on your commute or whatever you're doing. Uh, Tommy was wearing a rather old shirt uh, for for an American to be wearing, especially these days with a lot of the fans that we've had on um, early two thousands with the old badge. Uh, do you want to chat a little bit about your entryway, your gateway? Uh, you were saying it was kind of the polar opposite to Dagener's and and the famous spreadsheet of of doom over there that spelt doom for Leeds anyway because uh, they they didn't pick them. Do you want to talk about that? What that looked like for you or for you and how you uh, how you connected with the team? Yeah, and on behalf of all the other fellow listeners, I appreciate you putting this at the end of the podcast so we didn't like bore everybody at, at the front end of an amazing match. Why am I listening to this uh, this American talk about himself? Um, yeah, I was going to joke. I'm just a big fat boy slim fan with the old skin records. But uh, so, and after we can, I can talk to Adam more about, but I, I the long tail of it is as most Americans kind of growing up in the late nineties, we had minimal options to like actually view the, the, you know, the premier league. And it was, you, you basically glommed on either Arsenal or Man U. That was basically the early choices at that point. But I had an opportunity to go do a year abroad and I went to, uh, uh, to university of Sussex where I think Adam went. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Look at this. I didn't even know this. I'm probably 10 years your your senior. Um, And so uh, going over there first, so I played for the club team at Sussex and like all the guys on the team were primarily from North London. And um, it was like nine Arsenal fans and like one poor like Spurs fan. And they were just basically like you, you were not saying you have to, you know, support the Gunners, but you cannot be a Man U fan. Like they're like, you know, they gave me the whole story of there's more, you know, fans outside of Manchester than inside of Manchester, yada, yada. So that was like day one upon my arrival. And then, so Adam, I lived in York house and there was a porter there. Um, and I, amazing guy, I can't recall his name. I, hopefully you will maybe. Um, and he had some very similar to my little get up here where he had, you know, some his, his Brighton gear up. So I just sat down with him and I said, so what's up with Brighton? You know, what's the story? And so he proceeded to tell me the full gambit of the Goldstone and Robbie Reinaults and the entirety of the, of the amazing history that like was pretty fresh at that point, you know, cause this is in the year 2000. And um, so I, so I ended up just, you know, paying 10 quid or whatever, five maybe to go, you know, sit into the with Dean in the middle of February. And, and, and that's uh, 10 quid too expensive as well, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for a, yeah. For a West coast kid that, you know, to sit in, in the with Dean in, in the middle of February, but it ended up being, I sat down to this, this old timer that probably had even more kind of Goldstone ground stories. And, um, and so he told me, Hey, we just, we just picked up this kid, Bobby Zamora last week and he starts, he scores and, you know, 
I mean, on uh, the rest is history. So not we we drew the match against Plymouth, and then, but it was the next season. You know, they won. They promoted out of the the fourth tier, and then they won back to back. And so, luckily, I made friends with those Arsenal fans. So I kept coming back and you know staying for free, and I would come back and go down to Brighton and try to watch them and and uh, pick up gear. Um, but to watch that journey and then the saga of of um, building the stadium, et cetera. I mean, I, I talked earlier about the spreadsheet and the character of the club. And I think that's the, the big thing to hang on to is just, you cannot find kind of, from my perspective, um, a, a better, just, just general club in professional football than, than, than we have. And, and with such amazing story that I get into then, tell to everyone here in in portland and um and have, and that story then continues right and it's the story of McAllister's dis- disallowed goal and how they like persevered through and it's those stories that like my little girls love and like the neighbors love you know and now there's you know a dozen or, or so of us with brighton jerseys in portland there's probably you know one you know at, at some and it doesn't happen if you're like, oh, I'm a city fan or something like that, it happens by telling that Robbie Reynolds story way too many times over, you know, pints at the pub. But um, anyway, so yeah, that's that's me. That's awesome. You go, you go pretty far back. Like the fact that you you were there and you could have been very easily sort of fallen into the the, the dark side and been a Man U fan or so more likely an Arsenal fan. Which, to be honest. Probably you've done a, you've, based on current form, you've done better because that would have been a pretty miserable last five to six years for you if you'd have gone down that pathway. But yeah, what that's a that's great. I mean, especially with the fact that you're sort of building out sort of mini crew of fans over in the Pacific Northwest as well, which that's a long way from Brighton. So it's it's you got to be you got to be a fan to get up on those mornings and to support from over there. So good for you. That's that's a that's a great story. Yeah, it was, it was about 50 seconds when I woken up at you know, <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm going back quarter, to bed. quarter to six. And I'm like, oh, man, now I have to talk about this with guys that know more about them. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Based on your story, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I think that's I think it's really cool as well, because for people like Scooch that's in the chat today uh, yeah. and, and Dagan as well, we've had a lot of people on lately that are really new, like really new. And they look at it and say, this is what I thought the team portrayed to me and it's really cool to have someone on who is who is also an american and started so early and you're able to turn around and say no this is their dna dna and and has been since we can you know and it goes further back to the 83 cup and it goes further beyond that like it's it really is just the dna of the club and that's that's probably something that people like dagan are listening to and thinking like you're right the spreadsheet didn't account for that but thank (laughs) <laughs> thank god like thank like what a lucky like run into that, that like that i've had um so yeah i appreciate you sharing that because it is a cool story um and yeah really supporting cool. them from that far away uh in the 2000s cannot have been easy to to find <laughs> out what the hell was going on week on week yeah yeah it was uh yeah the amount of matches watched in the first year the premier league like quadrupled that i was able to scratch up you know over you know random probably pirated you know streams to to watch a second division match but yeah and you're right josh i mean i do i do feel like 
lucky to have been kind of placed in that because it's it's a, a fun kind of soccer uh i think as your dad said kind of soccer, a, a great kind of football family to be a part of and so um so it's great yeah um let's talk bournemouth uh because they had quite a rise at one point as well uh and we play them again uh, this weekend um they are currently managerless uh, Mr. Gary O'Neill is interim manager right now. Uh, they are not having the the best start to life in the Premier League, but they had a heck of a comeback uh, this weekend against Nottingham Forest, uh, which came out of absolutely nowhere, by the way. Uh, at the City ground, no less. 2-0 down to come back to win 3-2. Um, new manager bounce, or rather old manager gone bounce, is always bound to happen. Uh, Bournemouth, historically... Uh, very good against us, namely because Mr. Eddie Howe managed them. Uh, that curse has been lifted, and we actually conducted ourselves pretty well last couple of games against them without Eddie Howe there. Uh, what, what are we thinking we're, we're kind of walking into here? This is a team that very on and off, very odd this year, just came up, barely anything done uh, in the transfer market, really has. They've, they've barely done anything at all. Uh, just got dicked by nine uh, at Anfield. Um, and then kind of steadied the ship a little bit with the nil-nil against Wolves and the the three-two win against Forest, um, and welcome us at home. Uh, you know, high flying Albion um, come next week at three o'clock slash ten a.m. So what are we all much earlier for you, Tommy? Sorry to rub it in, uh, but what are, what are we thinking there? Uh, is this a, this is this the trap game that we're all worried about? Are we are we thinking come away from a with a point from this and just run, or are you genuinely thinking do you know what? Like F it, we we should be winning this, and that's what I'm expecting or hoping for. I, I still think this is a trap, really. I think as we've said it too many times. It's like, well, if it's not this one, it will be the next one, and then it will be the next one. Um, well, that's just the the mentality, maybe. Um, but like you said, they've steadied that ship. Um, the very premature sacking of Scott Parker, but fair, fair enough. Um, but like you said, 0-0 against Wolves, they come with a, a nice little bounce back win against Forest. They'll be riding high as well. So I think, cliche, every game's going to be tough. You have to beat what's been put in front of you. Um, I just think we've we got to ride that wave. We've got to try and get three points out of this and and go and attack. Uh, but we'll see. I think, like I said, I'm, I'm always a little bit hesitant with these games where you go away to a promoted side they've just off the back of a good result and um, it could be a very good game um, I'm not sure what's really going to come of it I mean every game's a trap game now now you're fourth uh, they all feel like traps um, yeah the, the, <laughs> this is why this league is so fascinating this year I mean we've already seen just as just a recording after the, the Man U Arsenal game after the start of the season, man, you have had turn around and beat the 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 team that everyone's now anointing has maybe second only to Man City in the league. If they get smacked three uh, one, you've had we've had some other absurd results this weekend and last weekend with Southampton beating Chelsea and things like this. But for Bournemouth to basically get annihilated and wiped off the face of the earth by Liverpool to have their manager speak out against the board and basically get fired for not only poor performance, but also for his attitude. You then go and play against Wolves at home, where in your own ground, you have 34% possession and five shots to their 17 and scrape away with a nil-nil. 
to then go 2-0 down at Forest. And somehow, what is that halftime? Is that the greatest ever halftime team talk anyone has ever delivered? Like, oh, guys, I know that basically uh, we've had the worst run of luck in history and we've conceded 11 goals in a row now. Um, but go out there and, and score three if you could. What I don't understand. So I have no idea what's going to happen because based off of this game coming in here, I I, I want I want a three nil win at minimum. That's what this feels like. I want to smash them, but who knows? I have no idea, and that's what's wonderful about the league. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's going to be three nil, and then we'll just see which one picks up the three. I guess. <laughs> 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 that's that's ominous um yeah we played them last january uh 2020 um 21st of january 2020 uh, and we got beat 3-1 it was barely a month uh after we beat them pretty comfortably at our place uh in one of the most easy wins i've seen us do it before before watford came along um but we've <laughs> Yeah, just something to cover here, just because it's interesting. Uh, so the last time we played Bournemouth was 21st of January 2020. We got beat 3-1. Uh, goals from Harry Wilson, Callum Wilson, and Pascal Gross' own goal. Uh, our starting 11 for that that day. Uh, Matt Ryan in goal. Adam Webster, Alzate Bernardo, Lewis Dunk, Pascal Gross, Jahan Bach, David Proper, Dale Stevens, Aaron Moy, and Neil Mope. That's our starting 11 last time. Uh very different team going into Dingen Court or whatever it is these days, isn't it? Uh, very different eleven that that's going to rock up this weekend. <laughs> Hindsight's <laughs> tremendous thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> At the time, we're all like, <laughs> "So come on, to hang bash come, can come good." Moyes a world class player. Uh, Matty Ryan, one of the best keepers in the league. Yeah, what? Well, Crazy, crazy how it all works out. Pascal Gross on goal, finished, mate. He's finished. Yeah, he's done. <laughs> it's over. Get him out of the league. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one this weekend, though. I think we'll we'll have a tough one. Uh, but I'm asking you for score predictions. What are we going for? I don't get to sit with my 3-0 either way. I'll say 4-0 either way. No. Uh, I'll say 3-1 on the inverse then for you, Josh. To the, to the Albion. Adam? Uh, I, I think we I think we smash them. I want I want to win th- let's let's win 3-0. Craig. Uh, I, I'm gonna go 2-1 Albion. I don't think it'll be as comfortable as maybe we'd like it to be, but I'll 2-1 to us. This guys. is uh, this is 100 percent gonna be clipped for next week because I'm going 2-0 Brighton as well. Uh, so first time in a long time I feel like we've ever all predicted a victory for us um, oh god yeah and it feels been... it feels like we're absolutely gonna have to clip this back now uh it's oh, one of those kind of like aged well uh or like moments before unfortunate events <laughs> Alexis missed penalty yeah. in the 89th minute <laughs> yeah but one of the Robbies who probably who obviously gets paid a few dollars more than the the, four, the three of you uh, said one. That's nil. not hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, yeah, it. it uh, <laughs> so we're we're going against that as a, a standard. Um, so that's true. Good. Yeah. All right. So we've we've gone over the hour and a half now. Uh, it's really uh, these podcasts are just getting longer and longer as we get better and better. Um, I'm not complaining too much. It feels if I were if I was listening to a podcast that I enjoyed listening to, which thank you for those that do. 
I'd probably want to listen to more of it when we're dicking teams 5-2, so I hope it's not too long for you all. Um, but that's about everything I think we've got. Uh, so we'll be back next week. We will be back uh, on Sunday live streaming at 11 a.m. Eastern. So that will be 4 p.m. UK time. That will be uh, the, the, the what, 8? 8 Pacific. 8 yeah. Pacific. Uh, and wherever else you are in the world, uh, we've got listeners in Kenya, Ghana, and just about everywhere else we were looking at the other day. So thanks for listening. Uh, and if you want to get on that, you know, you know when that time zone will be. Otherwise, we'll be out Monday morning, same as everywhere else, same as every other week, if you want to listen in on the pod. Uh, but we will be covering all things Bournemouth. We will be looking ahead to that game uh, shortly afterwards against them up the road uh, at Celeste. So, uh, I think they're coming down to us, right? First, where we are home for that one. Um, yeah. Could be a game that we could go top of the league on. Who knows? Uh, so we, <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be back next week. Um, so stay, stay safe. Have a lovely long weekend, uh, American listeners. Um, I know I will. Uh, for those that aren't, you well, if you're British, you enjoyed it last weekend. So I don't know about much sympathy. So have a good one uh, and stay safe. Thanks, everyone. Shout out Thanks Sussex Uni. Big episode for Sussex Uni right here. <laughs>